Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 54 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're starting a new show called Dimension W. Yeah, it's actually um, right after X and Y inside of the Pokemon franchise. Um, you can go out there and you can catch... Uh, a Pokemon that's in the shape of a garbage bag that's full of garbage. They've never done that before, right? Right? So, I have a couple of questions. Why is W coming after X and Y, and how have you forgotten about Trubbish and Garbador? Let's just jump in. <laughs> mostly a, me just bitching about how Pokemon has a stupid garbage bag Pokemon. I hate it. I hate that stupid Pokemon Okay, so, so this is actually this ties into an article that I was reading that anybody who follows um, like Pokemon news has probably heard of, although it's not like it's not like big Pokemon news, so I don't think it was on Cerebi.net or anything like that but um, there was like a recent article with um, Sugimori, who's been the head designer of Pokemon for like what the creature designs look like since the very beginning. And, um, you know, he has this really great distinct style and he's designed a lot of really cool creatures throughout the the years, but he was specifically quoted as saying something along the lines of like part of his main design philosophy is that when he gets a monster, that's too cool. He'll add something to it to make it stupider. And if it's too cute, he'll like, he basically like, if it's too much in one direction, he'll mess it up just a little bit so that it evens out. So, and he pointed out to the freckles on Oshawott, which I think make Oshawott cuter, but he was saying like, without those, Oshawott's too cute. But with them, he has like some flaws and that basically this, um, this design philosophy allowed him to create all of these designs that were really memorable instead of just cool and that that sort of like memorableness has been a major contributor to Pokemon's longevity and um, and sort of helps people really enjoy the creatures and stuff like that which I thought was pretty sweet yeah even though well, not anyways. all of them are I mean Stunfisk is still a thing it's interesting but it's gross so <laughs> you don't win them all <laughs> yeah I'm well, sure some people out anyways, there like Stunfisk. I'm sure. Oh, man. We're doing that thing where we talk over each other. Someone's going to hate it. Oh, yeah. Somebody <laughs> said that on Reddit. It's just a... There's nothing we can do about it. We can't FaceTime. It's not going to happen. This is us. Love us or don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, we're about to start talking about a brand new show that we are watching to get today that I had never heard of before. Neither and, have I. Uh, yeah, and the only reason that I had heard about this, and the thing that pushed us over the limit, um, I had heard about this from one of my friends that works with me. Um, then he uh, he decided that he was such a big fan of the show, and that it was such an interesting show, that he was going to get uh, some of his friends to start listening to our show, and then vote on it. So, we got <laughs> six, uh, we got six votes for the movement. show. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a grassroots movement happen for six votes for this show right before the the end bell rang on Monday. Yeah, so that's what pushed this show over the limit, and it kind of gives us a cool chance to show off a show that not very many people would talk about, 
and a show that it's it's one of those that like man it's it's got a really badass premise and the the execution of the show is like not a hundred percent which is frustrating because you're just like oh my god the what you could do with this show is crazy well i pretty strongly disagree with you i think the premise is great and i think the show executes on it really well that said i do think that the show does some things that i'm less interested in like the third episode we're going to cover the first three episodes out of 12 total today and the the third episode's kind of a lot of slice of life stuff and it gives us some good world building but it's mostly kind of like a, a slice of life thing which is interesting if that's what you're here for but based on the first two episodes this seems like a pretty badass action-packed sci-fi futuristic thing and so the third episode was a little bit of a letdown but uh yeah i so okay so i've actually got the wikipedia article up here uh because we're a professional podcast and (laughs) just like a couple of facts about it so this was um a manga that began publication in September of 2011. And mm-hmm. according to Wikipedia, it, it September 11, September 2011 through present. So it is presumably still ongoing. However, the show that we are covering is only 12 episodes, apparently plus an OVA, but there's only 12 on the streaming service that I'm using. And that showed between January and March of 2016. Um, So it's actually pretty recent. And yeah, again, I don't think it's very popular as far as something that people have heard of a lot. And I'm going to say that's a shame. It's a good premise. It's done fairly well, uh, whether or not you think it lives up to the potential. I guess Spencer and I will uh, get into that uh, as we go through it. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed these first three episodes. It made me really excited to watch more. Um, yeah, and the the first things first that uh, we're going to talk about the or I'm going to talk about the writer um, cool. uh, that is working on this. Uh, his his name is uh, Shitaro Suga, um, and the biggest thing. Wait, that is that the show writer? See, yes. Okay. Yeah. So the biggest person that you will see connected to this is going to be um, him, and he is connected as a writer of another series, which is much more popular, called Eureka 7. Um, if you've never heard of Isn't Eureka, it Eureka 7... 7? Um, oh, whatever. However it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, it's that. Yes. It, uh, it, it, is done, it is done very well for a mech series, um, in that is not named Gundam. Um, yeah. Whereas, like lots of mech series, seem to fall on their faces. Um, with very few um, that don't have like another different thing that sets them apart. Where you you talk about Gundam, it's really all just about big mech fights, um, and then a little bit of politics. Well, if you want to push politics, uh, you know, super super hard to the left. Um, you get, uh, God, what was it, Lelouch or whatever? Yeah, what was um, the name Code of the show? Geass, Lelouch of the Revolution, or Re- Rebellion, yeah. I don't remember which one. Yeah, so if you want the which most politics and show. people, <laughs> yeah, if you want the most politics and people, then you have that show. If you want uh, to push it the other way, and you want to have a show that is roughly based on mechs and mostly based on the weird shit that makes the mechs, then you have Evangelion. And then, oh um, uh, yeah, Eureka <laughs> Seven though uh, kind of falls in between, and lots of people like it. Um, but this show is kind of swept under the rugs. 
Um, the the last thing that I saw about it, it looked like it was it looks like it was canceled. So I don't know if we're going to get more than these twelve episodes, but at least we can see how cool it was. Um, it oh. apparently was on um, Adult Swim for a while. Um, I don't know if it's still on there, but it, it definitely got covered on that for a while. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised that it it got canceled rather than just having a short first season because um, like a 12 Apple episode season is um, pretty common for sh- for like shorter series or since again, this looks like it might be an ongoing manga series for series that um, would rather just tell sort of a complete story um, and then mm-hmm. be done with it. Um, you're also seeing, of course, a lot of that happen with modern anime adaptations like Attack on Titan or My Hero Academia, where instead of doing the traditional release where they do one episode a week, almost every week until they're done um, and sort of make it up as they go, if they catch up with the the canon material or diverge as they did in the original Fullmetal Alchemist series, um, you know, we're seeing a much more of an American release style which is to have shorter seasons that come out and then um you know for japanese anime shows that allows the manga some time to continue to progress and then the show can start to move again in that direction um yeah i'm not sure it doesn't say i see that it was canceled from distribution in some overseas markets but i'm not i'm not sure if it was canceled or if it was just a short series um, I guess mm-hmm. we'll find out how much of a cliffhanger it is when we eventually finish the show, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready to start talking about it. Are you? Um, well, let's talk about the manga as well, because it's sure. not just a show. It was also a manga first. Um, uh, the The manga was written by uh, Yuji Iwa, Iwahara, I believe it is. Um, and what um, this manga artist is really known for is a manga called um king of thorn um which i had never heard about before yeah i haven't heard of um, that yeah it it's it's one of those it's one of those weird times when i i start uh digging into anime um and like their mangas and i i start to have this moment where i'm like oh i don't know shit about anime yeah <laughs> thank god we don't have a show about that yeah anyways <laughs> king of thorn um is um is a comic or a uh a a manga that was released uh, between 2002 and 2005. Um, if you want to take a look at it, it's it's got pretty good ratings. Um, I didn't read it before we got started today, um, but I'm definitely going to check into it now. And it also has an anime that's attached to it as well. Um, it looks like it's just like one single film that was released in 2010. Um, but uh, if if you're interested in something like that, um, it looks like it's it's about a, it's like a survivor drama that deals with um, some sort of infection. Um, it but, says dinosaur-like monsters, so I'm pretty much fully bought in. <laughs> uh. So if you want, to, if you're into dinosaurs and infections, it sounds like his other works are are, are cool to check out. <laughs> Anyways, at least King of Thorn will get uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's go ahead and uh, jump into episode one of Dimension W. It's called the Collector, or just Collector. Um, and we kind of get a, a little touch of uh, what is happening inside of this world right after we are just injected into a scene. Um, so the first thing that's going to be happening here is that there's a guy working on a car and there's a lot of news happening in the background that if you listen to, will tell you basically just like 
everything that's currently happening in the world. <laughs> yeah, so gas prices are high, and there is some sort of company called New Tesla Energy, and the the inventor or original CEO or whatever has been messing for two years. Um, they're also going to mention a coil, which we're about to learn learn about, and then it's going to cut from this scene into what I thought was opening narration, but is actually opening narration for every episode because it precedes the intro. And so yep. it's going to give us the basic rundown of the scenario, which is actually, it's pretty common to have yeah. a voiceover telling us. I mean, they do that in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and other shows that you've probably seen. Um, I think My yeah. Hero Academia does it. So the situation... Yeah, My Hero does it. As well as um, the the biggest one that really really started doing it was Hunter X Hunter, oh, um, yeah. and you can see it at the beginning. It talks about like what a hunter is at the very beginning of it, and it's really important to know that, especially if you're picking up on like a short series where you can, you might forget about this gigantic inter infrastructure that happens inside of the world that is yeah. actually influencing everything they always talk about. So yeah, I kind of so, get where they're coming from here. Yeah, so um, essentially what we have is um, they're talking about sort of like the XYZ axis of reality. They discovered another dimension and they named it Dimension W, which is the title of the show. What do you know? So, <laughs> so this was specifically discovered in the year 2036. And um, the company, New Tesla Energy, created something called a coil. The coil's purpose is to harness energy from Dimension W, and it has essentially solved the energy crisis on Earth. Um, the cost of this is is that they built these giant towers, 60 in all, built all around the world. Um, it looks like in sort of an equidistant hexagonal pattern, and this has created a world system, and it specifically says that it's revolutionized humanity. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's the setup. And interestingly enough, we don't know exactly how it's revolutionized humanity. And the person that we saw working on the car right before this intro is going to be our main character. And, uh, he lives, um, in what appears to be a little bit of poverty. Like he's not poorly off, but, uh, he's not like, you know, things are a little dirty and he definitely likes to live a little stripped down. He's kind of Ron Swanson-y that way. But, mm. uh, but he's, he is not like super, super rich. Nothing. It's not like he's surrounded by super clean, super high tech stuff. So I think one of the big questions for me so far is essentially what is the way that it's been revolutionized exactly. And I think we'll start to dig mm-hmm. into that a little bit in this episode. Uh, but first, we yeah. have the intro. Okay, so here's the thing about the intro. It might be the best thing about this show so far. It's um, great. In that, it is uh, showing you a couple of clips like you always see in anime openings. But around mm-hmm. that, there is the main character just straight up getting his groove on. He's just doing it. <laughs> just letting it out. He's just like dancing through the scene. Um, and it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, it's a, it's a pretty funny opening that kind of is hearkening back to, um, uh, a couple of shows that have come out in like recent memory that they, their characters are allowed to just be weird inside of the intros. Yeah. Whereas like the, the, what they're connected to isn't anything in relation to what's going on in the show. Yeah. Um, it does, so it also has that's some cool. <laughs> yeah. It has some badass moments too. Like it's, it's got, 
a pretty high pace. The song's pretty fun. It shows us some action sequences. Um, it gives us a little bit of glimpse of like our main players and some of what they can do. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna set things up and get you kind of hyped up for the show in a fairly traditional anime intro uh, way. But um, it also is intercut with like the main character who's super stoic, just sort of like dancing around and enjoying himself, and it's really delightful. Yeah. So the next thing that we're going to jump uh, into is we're going to see this hooded uh, girl. She's green haired. Um, she's kind of uh, walking. Um, she's walking home and there's some talks about uh, coils and unofficial coils being used, how it's prohibited. Um, and then we find out that our main character, um, whose name is uh, Kiyoma Mabuchi, um, and he is going to be hired to go find some of these illegal coils. Yeah, um, he, he's essentially he, he's a also gonna. Hunter. Yeah, he's also gonna reveal pretty quickly what his like weapon of choice is, and it's these like fucking little knives that are on the edge it's of awesome. like that he throws out that have like strings attached to the back of them, and that was very reminiscent to me of uh, what the fuck is his name from uh, Darker Than Black. Oh um, yeah, the main I don't character his from name, that. But yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. See, I thought about it because he often will throw. He's got two of them, and he'll often throw them to wrap around something and then propel himself up, and it looks a lot like Attack on Titan. So I, think, oh yeah, and I then, definitely think the anime is pulling on some of those influences. But I'm here for it. It's really cool. Yeah, and also sometimes he will take six of them and put them in between his fingers, so they're fucking Wolverine hands. Yeah, he's he's he does some things that are just cool for the sake of being cool, and I'm okay with it. Rule of cool, bro. Rule yeah. of cool. So uh, he's going to get a job from a woman we're going to learn is named Mary. Um, she. Uh, for whatever reason is setting him up on these missions to find illegal coils. And weirdly, I didn't think about this before now, but there is an organization that is trying to find illegal coils uh, officially. And he is kind of antagonistic with them, but in a way that like detectives in sort of noir stories are often antagonistic with the police where they're kind of going after the same thing, but with different methods. And sometimes they don't approve of each other's methods and, maybe yeah. are suspicious well, of each other's motives and stuff like that. Yes. And we're going to find out that it is much, much the latter. Um, he is, uh, he has some, uh, dark pasts. Uh, we can say that. And, yeah, uh, we'll <laughs> of see. this character. Um, but anyways, <laughs> um, this, this girl that's, uh, on her way home, um, she hears some kind of like, uh, talking from, from a little bit far away. And we see her, uh, sneaking up to the side of this door um, on the other side, there are these guys, there's like mobstery kind of guys, um, that are, uh, playing around with these coils that are illegal. Yeah. Um, these are specifically uh, the people that Mabuchi has been dispatched to get the coils back from. Yeah. So he shows off the power of this coil in that he screws it into the side of a, like a squirt gun and the squirt gun all of a sudden can shoot the water out with like the speed of a bullet and can shoot a hole in the wall. Um, the girl is startled by the sound and backs up into this other mobster that's standing outside and he like, uh, knocks her out and takes her into the building. Um, so she's captured. So that happens. Yeah. They (laughs) are getting a little rapey with her, which is, uh, unfortunate because this, it feels like it keeps happening in our coverage, but, uh, it, 
did, to be fair, feel kind of um, truthful to the sort of nasty hedonistic street toughs that we're seeing. Um, they are yeah. villainous, and that would be a very villainous thing. And um, thankfully, they don't go far with it at all beyond sort of implication because they are stopped by Mabuchi sticking, stepping in. He dispatches pretty much all of them by throwing knives around like it's going out of style, and it's really cool. And yeah. um, he also calls himself a collector, which is essentially going to be the name for a bounty hunter of illegal coils. You know, a hunter of uh-huh. coils. Not that we've ever covered shows that involve (laughs) hunters or uh, bounty hunters before. Um, You see Black Clover, you see, this is how you take from other shows and make a good show. You see Black Clover. Black Clover. (laughs) So, um, Somebody told me recently, they were like, you just need to get through like the first 15 episodes and it starts getting good. That's a lot. And I was like, nah. Um. (laughs) That's kind of an investment. Although I will say... I kind of feel that way about Boruto, which I am very slowly picking at like one episode every like three weeks or so. And I really like the animation and I really like the prospect of more cool Naruto fights because Naruto fights are good when they're good. But uh, so far (laughs) it has been a lot of like almost cool fights and then a lot of like slice of life bullshit and like Japanese anime comedy, which I don't particularly care for. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of holding out. Apparently, it got really good in a recent week. I was reading an article from Crunchyroll, but it's like episode 64 or something, and I'm way far from that. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's so, beside the point. Uh, anyways, uh, we're going to go ahead, and uh, the next thing that happens is one of my favorite points on the show um, is that the uh, the the girl that's uh, that's waited there for the coils, and she was abducted and brought inside. Um, she, when she's saved by Mabuchi, she like gets up in his face and she's crying and well, she's like looking back at her. She what? actually saves herself. He is like, I didn't come here to save her. I came here to get the coils, kill her for all I care. Cause they're trying to hold her hostage. Oh, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. I watched this episode like yesterday in the, like, I don't know. Like, You've had a rough time of it in the last couple of days. So we're going to give you a pass. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so she saves herself. I like that aspect because she was kind of starting to be treated a little damselly, and um, she manages to save herself, and it's pretty sweet, and it turns out the reason is because she's a super strong robot. Yep. Robot girl. Yeah. Anyways, she is going to, uh, she's going to save herself, and then he's going to come up, and then then we're going to have this moment with Mubuji, where she slaps him. She slaps him so hard that we hear his neck crack. And he gets knocked the fuck out. Yeah, he loses and he, consciousness. Like, falls on the ground. Sort of. Yeah, he he's like fading in and out a little bit because we're gonna get a flashback and see that she then steals the rest of the illegal coils, which we'll find out after we meet this new character named Albert Schumann. Oh my god, he says Albert Schumann every time he says the guy's name, and I'm like, say Albert. Just say Albert. They actually Stop call him Al name. later as well, but like the, Mabuchi can't bring himself to do anything but the full name. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what Albert is part of is this task force that's part of New Tesla. Um, what they do is they um, check out in- irregularities that happen um, inside of the uh, coils that are around the planet. Um, so New Tesla has a stranglehold on all coil technology, right? Yeah. So if 
if there is ever a coil that is about to like go off or something is going to happen to it, which we'll find out a little bit later on might be fucking crazy. um, They, they have the ability to turn off the coil remotely and stop whatever is happening to it. So people have started making these illegal coils or man-made that are not like same technology, but it is not connected to the grid system. Therefore, when you have it on it, it, it can't be remotely turned off. So sometimes if it goes haywire, things might happen. So new Tesla is there to stop this, apparently, and they have like a, you know, it's kind of like an insurance adjuster um, comes out and yeah, takes sort of a look and with see his... police detective or something. Yeah. Uh, Albert is kind of a wank we've seen so far. He hasn't done anything cool in the first three episodes. And yeah. He will, he will not yet, but he... Uh, but he just was talked about as like a beast of something, so maybe he'll be cool. Yeah, there's some sort of history there that I think we're about to dig into, but um, that's a little ways from now. Um, we're going to find out that uh, Mabuchi, he remembers a little bit about what happened right before and after he was knocked out. Again, he remembers vaguely that um, this robot girl has stolen the rest of the illegal coils. And um, he also specifically remembers that she kind of teared up a little bit right before she knocked Mm -hmm. him out. And that is freaking him out a little bit because robots uh, don't cry. Um, Robot girls are apparently not that rare, but robot girls with emotions are unheard of. Um, So he reaches out to a contact to ask about that. But before he can get a satisfactory answer, he remembers that she took the coils and he heads off to go get them from her. Yeah. So, um, meanwhile, we're going to see another character who is very important for just this episode and then in retrospect, um, Dr. Uh, Yurizaki. Um, And Dr. Yurizaki is incredibly important. We will see him at the beginning of every single episode because he is one of the creators of New Tesla. He is one of uh, the, the best like the best engineers inside of the world. And his wife was also an engineer. I think I missed Um, the part about him being in the intro. So yeah, he's the guy that's like being like, I've created this new world. Shit. Yeah. That's him. Well, I missed that. Um, Well, now I feel foolish. Anyways. anyways, So um, we get a little bit of a flashback on this and we find out that um, his wife and his daughter were killed. Um, in, in some sort of incident that happened in the past. He is the creator of this robot girl that has been running around uh, that is stealing these illegal coils. Um, she is going to try to get the last of the illegal coils so that she could take them back to her father figure, whoever he was, who has like a, he has like a power on chest, uh, like a power on thing in the center of his chest, which kind of like reminded me of Iron Man. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, is it holding the little metal shards from stabbing into his heart? <laughs> I was like, is I was really wondering if they were just going to like take directly from Iron Man, but they didn't, but <laughs> I was wondering. It was the shrapnel that he had to stop after the explosion that killed his wife and daughter. Yeah. He got stuck in his, right beside his heart. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of pissed off at the world, and he... So he states that he wants to destroy the world system in revenge for what happened to his wife and daughter. And uh, it feels like a little, maybe he's like a little more complex than that because he announces this to people before he suicides himself. And uh, I I don't know if that's the full motive or if that's sort of just like a, 
a side note because since he is such a brilliant mind on these coils and since his wife was also this uh, i think she's like a brilliant roboticist or something we'll learn a little bit more about her um but like he essentially feels like wronged by the world so it makes sense that he would want to get back at them but he also has this intimate connection and knowledge about the coils themselves and so i i kind of don't buy their revenge against the world as his full motive and he specifically says that he wants to destroy the world system in revenge which is um again the literal sort of like blanket created by those 60 towers that connects the world to dimension w um, and then he makes a localized black hole that creates a small explosion for a couple of city blocks. And Yeah. It also has another strange effect. Meanwhile, this fight is going on between uh, M- Mabuti and... Uh, Mabuti, right? <laughs> I yeah. his name right. You can, you can also he, call him Kyoma. Um, that's not better. Um, <laughs> okay. anyways, he's fighting against this robot girl. Um, they're kind of going to blows back and forth between each other. Um, she's going to try to jump and escape and he's going to wrap, uh, like a, a coil around her. Um, but she's trying to get back to well, what she says as father. Oh, uh, I, need, coil I of, need to get um, back to him. A coil of thread. Not like a, not like a, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is double, double, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to learn that her name is Mira. She's trying to get back to him. She, then sees the like the before the black hole explosion thing there's a big giant pillar of green light that shoots up into the sky from when he's activating whatever coil device it is that causes that and she oh, yeah. knows what that means where we find out through like a flashback or maybe like disembodied flashback voices that uh she she has been told that when there's a big flash in the sky that that means he's dead and yeah. um we're also going to learn that she's been given a mission to pursue uh, based upon that moment but um before that happens when the when the black hole explosion goes off it also fucks with all the coils in a localized area which includes yeah, in her like power a source. really it's like a really crazy way too they don't just explode what happens is that there's like this ethereal fire that starts shooting out of them that doesn't cause anything else around it to burn it's just like it's it's almost like a dimensional rift yeah. that starts opening up inside of these coils. That's uh, like, and we'll find out that like one of the reasonings behind this is that what they're doing to harvest this energy is they're skimming the surface of uh, of dimension W, yeah. which provides a little bit of energy. It's basically but skim if, milk. Yeah, <laughs> but if you override this, uh, this, this, uh, this little bit of energy that they're pulling off and you want to delve deeper into the energy black hole inside or the energy like pit that is dimension w and go further it can cause crazy effects um, yeah and that's essentially the danger at this, but you're about to see it <laughs> yeah that's we're we're gonna learn about this i think in the next episode that that's basically the danger of illegal coils is that the mm-hmm. the official coils they learned really early on basically that they tapped the energy too much and that there were really dangerous side effects. So they have all these like limiters and regulators to make sure that the, um, the coils don't go nuts, but the illegal Mm -hmm. coils don't have those limiters. So sometimes crazy shit happens. 
Um, also, yeah. this the like fire sparks or whatever. It's hard. It's a little hard to tell if it's stylization or not because every once in a while, the show will do like an artistically stylized shot instead of like a going for, like sticking it sticking into like realism. So like sometimes you'll see people with like colored silhouettes sort of like pulling off of their bodies and it's really pretty and kind of a fun stylistic choice but it does mean that every Mm -hmm. once in a while when you see like sparks flying out of coils i'm not sure if there were really sparks flying out or if it was actually fire or if it was dimensional energy or if it was just the show being like something's happening and we want to just show you it be prepared it's gonna be weird (laughs) um so um, the last thing that happens in this episode is that um, Mabuchi carries Amira away um, so that Al won't be able to get her. Um, that is uh, Albert Schumann. If, um, Albert do Schumann. Do you want to just say his full name every time we say him? I mean, I feel so, like we Albert have to. Schumann. <laughs> um, so, um, Mary is, uh, is going to be the one that he is taking, um, he is taking her to. Um, and Mary has like this really, really good, um, engineer that works for her. He's pretty young, um, named, uh, Kurugi. Um, and he is going to, uh, have like these, these, I don't know what they are. They're just like weird little tiny robots that are, are like roaming around on top of her body. To yeah. See, and like, really what's going just on. barely dancing around the fan surface. Like there's, a, there's yeah. a lot of fan service in the show, but it's so muted that you kind of don't notice it, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I also really like that. Um, our main character has no, um, like sexual point inside of the show yeah, at he's all. He's never weird. Which is one of my favorite things about it. Yes. Is that he's not gross. He doesn't like flip out about it. There's going to be this one point in the next episode that I'm just going to do it really quick. It's a little bit of a throwaway. She's sure. like in the bathroom and he comes into the bathroom and sees that she's like half naked on the toilet and he like looks at her like, why are you in here? And then just yeah. closes the door. It's literally just an awkward away. moment. And like it culminates in her being like, this was awkward, but here's why I'm using the bathroom, even though I'm a robot girl. And um, what we can do to resolve this issue in the future is to get locks on the doors. And like, that's all it comes to. It's not like a, it's, I mean, it's yeah. kind of funny because it's an awkward social situation, but like, it's not funny in the traditional anime sense where like Japanese boy characters, at least in anime can't fucking stand to be around any kind of girl ever at all. and Or their I, nose will explode. Uh-huh. Yeah, every Japanese boy is a fucking pervert, and I hate that trope, and it comes up in every single show, except I don't think it ever shows up in Hunter x Hunter, at least not with Gona. And, like, mm-hmm. but you, you sh- you'll you often see it, at, often with the main characters, and if not with them, you'll see it with side characters. Even in Pokemon, Brock is a fucking lecher. Like this goes way, way back. It's, it's deeply ingrained in anime as like a, a art form. And like, for my part, as a fan of anime, it is something that I usually roll my eyes at and wait to be over. And I really appreciate this show doesn't have it. Um, but anyway, we're going to find out that, um, that, uh, Mira, the robot girl is a super advanced robot um, that they are a little surprised by and, um, they turn her back on and then she, she basically asks them if she can become a collector too. And that's going to be the end of episode one. 
Yep. Episode two is going to start up. It is called Loser. Um, it is the best episode of the three that Love we watched. this episode. Um, and the reasoning why is be- we were going to be introduced to the... the we like Mabuchi. He's he's kind of a he's badass. Cool. Loser like is too. actually a badass. Loser's huh? so cool. Like, definitely my yeah. favorite character. I mean, obviously, Albert Schumann is amazing, but Loser's <laughs> great. <laughs> okay, so um, Loser is this uh, this character we're going to learn about, and his, his name is derived from the fact that he is an art thief who never actually steals the art that he has come for. Yeah. Um, he and is going around the world. He's well known like, because he publicizes his thefts. So he makes it like oh, a yeah. big public event, but then he never succeeds. But everybody loves yeah. him for it. Yeah. So he's going around the world doing this. Um, we're hearing about him in the background, and then we're going to get a little shot of him uh, preparing to uh, do his next robbery with this kid who calls him Dad. Um, we don't really know if he is a robot or a human. Um, you can kind of see under his mask, which is like this really cool, um, golden mask that like covers most of his face, except for like the, the sallow of, parts of his eyes, yeah, which are like kind of like Dr. Doom or the man in the iron mask, a little bit of that, yeah. but gold and yeah. not. It almost reminds me of, uh, of V from V for Vendetta. Yeah. A um, bit. where like he's, there's something that's going on here that you don't see. We, we see it in this episode, um, but uh, we, we're we not sure of. He has almost like snake-like looking eyes, and he has like this reddish look to the skin underneath his mask. Um, so he is going to be going to steal this um, piece of artwork, which is called, I think it's like, uh, it's like Black Devil Angel, White Angel Wings or something. Something right yeah. Um, we're also going to get a little bit of uh, a little a flashback more. It, the episode's going to start with them at this like event where losers about to steal things. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of that, we're going to see the flashback that picks back up where episode one left off with Mira asking to be a collector. Um, this is where she explains that she knows Dr. Urazaki is dead because of the flash. And she was warned that that's what that would mean. Um, and that he specifically told her to follow illegal coils upon her death, and that's why she wants to be a collector. She also then shows them, she basically like projects a visual memory of the day that Urizaki's wife and child were murdered. Yeah, it's and fucked up. what we see is that they were killed by agents of New Tesla Energy, and yep. it's a little unclear why they were killed, um, and Mary comments that it's really mysterious why the world's largest corporation would kill the world's foremost robot creator and her child and then cover yeah, and, it up. And, yeah, and then she specifically tells her engineer to clear all of the records of this being shown. Yeah. And she tells her, she's like, this is really bad information that you have. You should never show this to anybody. Yeah, there's a lot of good, like, super powerful, corrupt um, mega corporation government conspiracy type of vibes in the show. So if you're into that, which I super am, then you'll probably like this at least the way yep. it's shaped up so far. Um, but let's get back to loser. Yeah. So loser is going to go and try to steal this thing. Um, he is um, in the midst of doing this. When you find out that Mabuchi is going to be chasing after him to try to stop him. Um, he, um, is having difficulty um, uh, connecting with anybody through Mira, 
Um, so he's like, somebody is jamming the signal around this area. Mira, I need you to go out and figure out what's jamming it. And when she turns back around, he's already gone yeah. um, to go chase after Loser, who is having a badass time. He's like jumping over shit and like shooting his feet off. He's like cool. not shooting his feet off. But like he, he, he he's like cybernetic like, in some way, and he, like yeah. What we're gonna learn too is when Mabuchi starts chasing him, he he um, has his little like child sidekick run a quick scan to figure out who is chasing him. They figure out that it's this um, this collector that's known for not using any coils himself, and they're gonna give us a little world building, which is essentially that coils have become such an everyday occurrence that a lot of people have enhanced themselves with them. And yep. the fact that Mabuchi doesn't have any coils on him, one, is amazing because he's still able to move very quickly and he's really strong and agile and like he's just doing all this stuff that would be sort of mind-boggling for people without u- the use of coils. But number two, he is um, – he they note that he's basically like a fossil because he's – uh, he just doesn't use any coils. He's basically like somebody who still has a landline, which I just got yeah. internet at my new place. And the person I called them to be like, Oh, I want internet only. And they were like, don't you want like cable and landline? And I was like, why in God's name would I ever want either of those things? And she's like, I still, I'm in my twenties and I still use them. And I was like, I don't understand you. Don't try and sell <laughs> me that garbage. I just want internet. <laughs> Welcome to Wyoming. It's so stupid. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So, so the the next things that are going to be happening inside of the show, um, we're going to kind of like split apart um, between like the two different characters and what they're doing. The most important one that we're going to find out about, uh, we'll go over in a little bit. Um, let's first talk about what Mira is doing. She <laughs> is running around trying to figure out what the jammer is, uh, what the what what's jamming the system. You so got jammed. <laughs> Strawberry. <laughs> um, anyways, so uh, she's running around to trying to figure this out, and uh, she is specifically looking up at the tops of towers um, to see if uh, she can find, like, if, if they're stationed anywhere. Well, she, but, she also does that because she realizes that the way that the communication is being blocked out versus the way that... Um, that loser is able to sort of like hijack communications networks and stuff like that means that there is some sort of dampening field on the area that they're in, but that there's Mm -hmm. somebody working with him that's outside of that field or not necessarily somebody, but but that the source of those jamming signals is outside of that field. So she starts looking to high ground to find where that um, unaffected source is. Yeah, and what she finds out is that the the effect of the dampening is coming coming from these robotic uh, pigeons that are flying around inside of the sky with real the pigeons she, disguising themselves. Yeah, which I fucking love. It's so cool. And how she figured this out is that she looked at the like the patterns of the pigeons, and she was like, "These keep returning to the exact same spots to form a field." So I I figured it out when I started looking for ones that were flying in weird patterns because they were the only things that were high enough without not being as high as myself yeah. that it could be causing this effect. And then and so she, she collects all of them and she, brings yeah, them to the source screen, of the person handling it. I, I love um, this because off screen she leapt around and like snagged these pigeons out of the air 
Like that's so cool. And I, I just like her as a character because she's re- she's super strong, but she's really like she's smart. She she's written and she speaks sort of like a stereotypical timid anime girl, but she is really powerful. She's really smart and she takes care of herself really well. Yeah. Okay, so um, the next thing that's going to be happening on here um, is after after the um, the pigeons are captured by Mira, she's going to show them to Loser's son, and Loser's son is like, "Oh my gosh, you're how did you figure that out so fast?" Cut back to um, uh, our main character Mabuchi chasing after Loser still. Um, what uh, he when he catches up to Loser, um, he finds out that he has cut hole into the basement of the building. Well, and he is, I do want to point out before that they have this like great back to back fight scene where they get attacked by the museum's defenses. I thought that happened downstairs. I don't think so. I think it happens before the whole pigeon thing, but either way, my big point is that you can tell that this is a museum that is in an anime because their defenses are, um, suits of armor that come alive and fight intruders. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I love I it so that. much. But anyways, there's we, actually an you important... You don't really see that fight. <laughs> you see a little bit of it, but it's over really quickly. And what's important from that is that Loser realizes, based on the way that Mabuchi fights, that he is able to... Uh, that he has some sort of like skill from the past. And um, we, uh, he's going to essentially... Um, show that he is able to handle like robotic characters and characters that utilize coils really, really well. And that's going to end up being a big um, point of characterization in a little bit when Loser um, essentially calls him on it and then reveals something about himself. Yeah. So um, Loser is going to have escaped from their communications um, or just escaped from his little communicator things because they they got destroyed. Um, and um, he is going to have gone downstairs where he's going to be stealing this final piece. Um, they were destroyed by these two robotic girls that are with the curator of the museum who is saying that like he's not going to be embarrassed by, by being the first person that's actually stolen from by loser. Yeah. He's not going to be the the first person to get fucked over completely. And so he's like he's gotten these two robots to stop them and they are controlled controlled by illegal coils and they are um they're shown to have that by Mabuchi who's like they're showing up red when they shouldn't. And he throws these little daggers into their chests and their chests start. Yeah. The coils start going haywire. No, the coil goes haywire a little later. Basically he shuts down the coils and then the museum dude fucks it up. But like before that, he's going to, this is when we're going to get the reveal from loser who is essentially like, I can tell the way that you fight against these things that you're trained to face off against like autonomous coil-based warfare and he reveals that there was this war that was fought entirely by um, autonomous machines with no humans in it except one and this guy's sort of a legend and was part of something called the beasts of grendel and maybe i'm wrong about it just being an except one person but essentially sort of like this legendary character 
There um, were a bunch of them that were the beasts of Grendel. There but were, yeah, um, yeah, because I know they referenced that to uh, Albert Schumann in the next episode, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's some really cool world building, and it's also a mystery because we don't know exactly what happened or, or how he got from there to here. Um, and this is when Loser takes off his mask and shows that he's kind of like burned and stuff, kind of like Darth Vader and stuff. Uh, and mm-hmm. that this is some form of casualty from that very war. Yeah. The next thing that is going to happen is that the uh, the curator of this museum is going to try to reactivate these um, these girls that were protecting him, and in doing so, he uh, rips a hole in space and time. Um, yeah. Where you're like, oh, I did not expect this shit to, number one, happen. Yeah. Number two, happen so fast in the show. And, and it causes so this. Yeah, so what happens is when you rip a hole in this time and space continuum that is around Dimension W, what happens is that the robotic, uh, the organic matter and the robotic matter around it is duplicated and spliced over and over and over again until the energy source is depleted. And so what happens is the curator is, like, trapped inside of this, like, mass of robotic, like, robotic girl and himself duplicated over and over again it's in this so horrible, grotesque way. Yeah. And um, the that's pretty much it. We're going to see new Tesla, including Albert Schumann, showing up again at the end of the show or at the end of this episode <laughs> to take care of the cleanup of the dimensional collapse and they're going to note that this is important to new tesla because um new tesla's whole deal is that like they coils are changing society and giving unlimited energy and they're they are safe and so when something goes wrong new tesla wants to step in and clean it up but they also want to kind of control the story but um Mm -hmm. before all of that happened we also learned some crucial information from loser and that information is going to lead us into episode three Specifically, we're going to learn that what Loser was after was not the artwork, but it was actually a coil inside of the artwork. And that coil is called a prime coil. And um, when Loser reveals They're also this, called numbers. Yeah, he's going to call it a number. So I believe the numbers are probably the, the sort of like genus and then the prime coil sort of the species where it's like some of the numbers are prime numbers and those are prime coils is what I'm assuming, but that hasn't been confirmed by the show based on what we've seen yet. But it's cool because essentially it seems like what loser is doing is he's actually succeeding in getting what he wants. He says he's an art thief and he's making himself famous by being an unsuccessful art thief that people love. But what he's actually doing is finding pieces of art that are hiding these super powerful coils or coil adjacent technologies and stealing that while under the guise of being unsuccessful. And I love that. Yeah. Um, and that's it's a very cool into, character. Yeah. He's awesome. Unfortunately, he is not in episode three, which is what we're going into now. Yeah. So episode three, um, it's going to be probably the episode that we cover the least amount of stuff inside of it because it's the least amount of information that you're going to gain out of it. Um, really this episode gives you like three pieces of information, um, and you can almost skip it if you're not super into world building and kind of like feel good parts of the anime. Um, the first is that Mira is going to be living with uh, Mabuchi, but she's going to be living inside of this trailer that he has on his property. 
Um, he gives her the trailer. Actually, he sells her the trailer for the money that she's paid by um, yeah. by Mary. But she um, gives, and- she offers the money to him, so it's sort of like she's like, "Oh, I'm going to give this to you as rent," and he like kind of turns it down initially, but then she insists upon it. So it's I don't know. It's kind of egalitarian a little bit. Um, she also yeah. calls him Kyoma, which I don't remember exactly how it works in Japan, but I believe you call people by their last names unless you're on a first name basis, essentially. So yeah. she's kind of being very familiar with him and very friendly toward him. Yeah. The other thing that we're going to see in this episode is um, the first example of somebody being exposed and them having to... Um, the, they... Uh, the rest of the people in the world understand that if there is an exposure happened, they're going to probably die immediately unless something or get taken immediately, unless somebody covers it up or somebody um, is able to um, like kind of can, uh, you know, avert the story away from everybody else. Yeah. We find this out because these three little kids um, are uh, sneaking up on Mira and they're trying to get a, a good glimpse of the car that is driven by Mabuchi because it is a gas-powered car, which is an ar- like an artifact inside of this world. Yeah, they say specifically he drives that you off. usually only see those in museums. Mm-hmm. So he drives off, right? She is left alone with these kids who are trying to sneak onto the property. She catches them. One of them kind of goes off and he connects with these other kids that are on the other side they're playing inside of this old car and then the cars that are stacked on top of this old car they start to fall over and she jumps over the fence to try to save them and then as soon as they um like it falls down all the way she's throwing all the kids out of the way but she can't save herself and she's trapped her body on one side and her head chopped off on the other side towards these kids yeah so we're going to get the sort of aftermath of that in a second, but uh, it's going to pick up with Mabushi, who's gone out to do some investigation. He's talking to this old guy who's a repairman. He asks him about the numbers, and the repairman, surprisingly, knows a lot about it. He explains that the numbers are essentially the beta versions of modern coils. Um, this is oh, This is actually where the numbers are the ones that dive deep into Dimension W, whereas modern coils just skim off the top of Dimension W. So... I think when we were talking about illegal coils earlier, I was misremembering it and thinking of that as the numbers. So the numbers are the ones that dive deep and get like a lot of energy potentially. And then the regulation coils are the ones that have limiters and that just skim off the top. And then the illegal coils are going to be based off of the regulation coils. So they're probably not able to dive as deep as the numbers, but they also don't have the regulations. So they can do crazy things like smashing the dimensions together like we saw at the end of episode two. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, Mabushi's going to learn about this, and then he's basically going to come home to be accosted by the police. Um, they are going to essentially try and hold him liable for the danger that the kids were in. And he is going to be taken down to the police station, but eventually released because a mysterious benefactor vouches for his um, reliability. Uh, he thinks that it is Mary and calls her to thank her for that. But um, then he learns that it was actually Claire Skyheart, who is the COO of New Tesla. Um, So he's going to go visit Claire Skyheart. And she's basically just kind of a nice older woman uh, in this meeting with him and reveals 
that the reason she got him off was because she spoke with her granddaughter, who was one of the kids that saw this whole thing go down. And the granddaughter vouched for him telling them not to play with the cars and stuff and sort of doing everything right and them doing it anyway when he wasn't there to stop them. So he gets off. He's got kind of this good reputation. And um, basically she thanks him for doing this and then says that she also wanted to meet him because she wanted to meet a beast of Grendel, which again is that term that we heard Loser call him in the last episode that's related to this war. And he pretty much cuts the conversation there and is like, okay, thanks for your time. I'm going to head out. Um, Before he leaves, we're going to find out from Claire's granddaughter that she uh, she's going to come up and give Mabushi a hug so that she can whisper in his ear that she kept the fact that Mira is a robot secret. And Mm -hmm. uh, and then he's going to head out. Yeah. So this episode really ends with uh with Mira being found um, well uh it's going to end with um everyone's favorite character Albert Schumann showing up to talk to Claire after Mabushi has left and he's also going to be revealed to be another um Grindelian, or at least oh, pretty uh, Grind- strongly suggested <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other thing that we're going to see is uh, Mabuchi when he finds uh, Mira at one point with her head in literally in her lap. Um, and uh, they're going to have some moments of being like, oh, oh, you, Mira. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy girl with your head off. Um, Anyways. Yeah. So then we're going to get kind of a lead in into what it turns out looks like is going to be the next episode's content where... There's like a a lake somewhere and some dude is killed at it and it's shocking. And um, I don't really know what's going on, but it's going to lead us into the next um, coverage of Dimension W in four weeks, which I am super excited about. Uh, I I really, really like this show a lot. I think it's pretty well done. Again, it has a little bit too much slice of life stuff in episode three for me, but for the most part, I love it. And I'm really excited to watch some more. Yeah. So I would suggest if, if, if you're going to try to watch this show and stay up to date with us, feel free to watch the show all the way through. And if you're one of those people that just wants a recommendation of a show um, that's like this show, if, if if you can kind of cut off this and have like this weird alternate dimension without having this exact show, because it might not be for you after the first three episodes, I would really recommend that you look into re- uh, watching Darker Than Black. Um, mm. It does definitely has the same sort of feel as this show, yeah. um, where it's it's a very it's a very different future with a very strange war that has happened in between, yeah. and there is something that fundamentally has changed the way, the course of humanity. Yeah, um, it's got the same so, mystery and the same kind of government conspiracy stuff. So if you're into that, you'll really like it. Yeah. But anyways, if you want to stick with us after these credits, we will talk about what's on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level 5 sound wizard. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon members get exclusive member content and unlock group perks. Follow us on Twitter at BNS Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. 
If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. And remember, new episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we have the battle between Gara and Sasuke. He's back, everyone. Cheap, 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 cheap. That joke was awful. Yeah, well, it did happen, though. <laughs>